how good do I think Andre Cisco can be? I ain't going to hesitate to tell you, and I'll do it right now on this episode of Locked On Jaguars. You are Locked On Jaguars, your daily Jacksonville Jaguars podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for joining me, Tony Wiggins, the host of the Locked On Jaguars podcast, the daily Locked On Jaguars podcast, where it's your team every day. And we thank you for making us your first listen. Quick reminder to all of those on YouTube, make sure you subscribe for free to the Locked On Jaguars YouTube page. And if you listen to audio podcasts, wherever you listen to them, whatever, wherever platform you listen to them, make sure you check in every single day because we'll be there. Make sure you don't miss an episode. I want to talk to you today before, well, after I say hello to my everydayers, all of the everydayers, the people that make this podcast what it is by making sure you tune in every day and checking it out. We appreciate you and we thank you for making us who we are. Also to the new listeners, make sure you tap in when and wherever you can, man. If you come here two days in a row, that's my saying. If you're here second day in a row, you're not new. You're just here again and you can become an everyday yourself. I want to talk about the secondary and we'll break it down. And particularly, I'm going to talk about Andre Cisco, who I believe has a chance. Now, I know I'm going out here uh, on a limb and we're going to have to go through some of these names. But I think Andre Cisco has a chance, uh, especially with the way football is played modern day, to be an absolute superstar for the Jacksonville Jaguars. There, I said it. I think he's going to be a star. And the reason why is because. If you if you think back to when he was drafted, and I hate to go back to 2021 because it reminds us of some bad times, but it's inevitable that we go back there when we're talking about guys that were drafted the, the first year of the Urban Meyer and Trent Baalke regime that was collective at that time. We he was Andre Cisco was thought to be a first round talent who fell in the draft because he had an ACL injury his last year of college. So with that being said. If we really, really want to assess what he was before they, they picked him, he was the first round who got hurt. And he made it to the third round, right? If we want to assess how he was brought along, we all got mad at Urban. We all got mad at Joe Cullen because Andre Cisco wasn't playing. And when he did get in the game, it appeared that he was just different. Like, even if he wasn't doing – what they wanted him to do. He was so fast. I, I think Richie Pettibone, the longtime Washington uh, football team um, defensive coordinator when they were winning Super Bowls, talked about the late, uh, not the late, but the great Wilbur Marshall. He said sometimes he goes the wrong way, but he's so fast. He, 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 by the time he realized, he turns around and he gets to where he's supposed to be anyway. Um, that's what I kind of saw from Andre Cisco. He just looked different. And I think some of the things that he had to learn how to do you only learn how to do them in the NFL on the field. The following year, he was thrown out to the wolves and it started to pay off immediately. First game I think about was the game in Philadelphia where he was just making plays, making plays all over the place and uh, making guys pay for real estate. You know, you come across that middle, there needs to be a price. And he, he did it without getting penalties. So, um, that means he was under control. He was just there. He was sudden. He had a knack for finding the ball. 
and I think it got contagious. He is extremely, extremely important to this defense on that back end. Extremely important. And when you get a guy who can play the way he does, it just gives you a chance to do some things schematically, I believe, that maybe you wouldn't do if you had a, a different player. So this is more or less about while everybody was trying to run that single high that Seattle was running, teams didn't have success at it, not because they weren't teaching it right, but because, uh, you know, Earl Thomas doesn't grow on trees. They Guys like that, you know, they're not just sitting out there in abundance. I had a, I had a scout tell me once, a former Jaguar scout, who's still a very, very good friend of mine, who told me at practice, and this was back during the Gus Bradley days. He said the hardest thing to find outside of a quarterback is a free safety. And he talked about it because colleges play a certain way. And when the, and, and those guys don't do what you're going to be asking a guy to do when he gets to the NFL from a single high perspective. So, And the Jaguars are more than a single high team. I think they're very multiple on the back end. But a lot of times, and I've noticed this from some of the uh, practices that I've attended, they make shifts, guys go in motion, and Cisco winds up being back there by himself. Now, of all the guys on this team, he is the one who is perfect to be in that space alone. And the reason why he's so perfect for that is because of his speed and his ability to have a navigation system in his head. And I know there are some people that want to think back to the Colts game last year or even the Washington game two years ago. Or was it last year? It could have been last year when – McLaurin, Terry McLaurin got past uh, Shaq Griffin and caught a touchdown. And I know in, in, in Indy, somebody did the same thing where they were just abusing Shaq Griffin. And it, and it appeared that it was Andre Sisco's fault, where it's a, probably a combination of both a little bit. But there wasn't much resistance in terms of jamming wide receivers at the line of scrimmage to at least – stopped them from getting to the point where they were getting to in their routes. And so it looked like Cisco was to blame for it, but I don't think he was, right? But he played so well for the rest of the season. And then I'm going to tell you in segment two something that I saw, um, something that I saw in him when looking at him up close, and I was like, this dude looks different, right? And he really, really put that work in. And in segment three, I'm going to tell you why I believe the secondary as a whole is a strength in segment two and three. And then I'm going to talk about some of the other guys, some of the other guys, and give you a couple of news and notes also from the Jaguars. We'll do all of that here on Locked On Jaguars in just a second after I let you guys know about today's sponsor, and that is FanDuel, man. And I am so glad that I have a chance to say this because you need to make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA Finals because right now new customers – can get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. Y'all didn't hear me. $2,500 up to that amount with a no-sweat first bet. That's $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet does not win. Yeah, yeah, I'm telling you. I got Denver. I don't know about the rest of y'all, but I got Denver. They might lose game one, but I think they're going to end up winning this series, so we'll just have to see. But there's no better place to bet all of the action on the finals than America's number one sports book. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and get a no sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. 
And I'm Tony Wiggins, the host of the Locked On Jaguars podcast. Glad to have you here joining us every day because it's your team every day. And we thank you all for making us your first listen. Talking about the secondary. I had set it up by giving you a back history, a little bit of back history about Andre Sisko. Now we're going to talk about something that I saw recently. I was just flabbergasted when I saw what he looked like physically. When I finally saw that, when I did attend OTAs early this week, just blown away with his physicality, with the way that he looked, with how fluid he was in his movements. Now, mind you, they're not, they're not, they don't have pads on, but that's almost a good thing for anyone who was running across the middle because every single time that someone was in his vicinity, he looked like he was ready to tee off on them and he kind of just did the ole and let them go. I can only imagine what that's going to look like and feel like for the opponent. You got a guy that's probably, if he's not over 200 pounds, He's way more muscular than he is non-muscular, right? So he looks big. He looks like a 210-pound guy. I don't think he's that tall. I don't think he's that big. I'm going to look up his, up his vitals right now, and I'll, I'll actually let you know exactly what he's listed at. But I'm telling you, man, he is just – when you see him in person and you know what these guys are supposed to look like, then – you realize that's exactly what a, a safety looked like. He He's listed at six feet here, and I'll try to get all of his information up here for you real quick. He listed at six feet, but I'm going to tell you something. The movements, yeah, he's listed at six feet, 210. So, yeah, I was right. He is about 210 pounds, and that's a free safety. That's not, that's not you know, what they call a box safety when he's over 210 pounds. He is 23 years old and he is a six foot, 210 pound free safety. So that tells you a guy that big and that physical who can run like the wind playing the middle of the field, you can't beat it. The only guy I can think uh, right now in the league that can even probably pretty much match that maybe is Kevin Bayard, Kevin Bayard uh, out, uh, at Tennessee, and he might not be there too much longer. Thank God because he's a great player, all pro and uh, really has put up a nice career for himself. But he, he's, a, he's another one that's big and physical. I think Tra Trayvon Merrick is that way. Um, I really like the kid down in Miami that, uh, that came from Oregon that, that's a good player also. But I take Andre Sisko, I'm going to be dead serious. I take Andre Sisko over all of them, even the kid in, uh, in Houston. I, I would. Hasn't had as much fanfare as those guys, but – I really, really do believe that this is the year that everyone around the league is going to become a household name. Folks are going to realize that Andre Sisco ain't nothing to be playing around with, especially when you see what, he may, what happens with people when they come across that middle. But it's not just his ability to, to impact the passing game. He, he's also a real good run stuffer. And I missed a couple of tackles here and there early, but he's a sure tackler. He gets to the, the, the spots really, really fast. Uh, he has all the range in the world. When you really, really think about his skill set, I'm telling you, in my opinion, it's 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 just flat out easy to tell you. I think Andre Sisco is going to be a star. Uh, he's helped by the fact that he has some other good players in his secondary. And this secondary, because they were picked and they grew together over the last couple of seasons, I think now it's going to be something that's considered a strength, especially if they're able to figure out that slot, if they are able to figure out somebody to play in that slot, whether it's Trey Herndon, whether it's Monteric, uh Brown, whoever, whoever they got. Chris Claybrooks is probably going to still get a look. 
uh, from a developmental standpoint. So when they can really, really figure out who exactly, and I got a little roster here, so I'll let you know. I could have found his size right here. I don't know why I didn't pick it up. But when you when you think about all of the guys that they have that can play that slot, uh, Clay Brooks, Monteric Brown, uh, we know Darius Williams is better outside, maybe Greg Jr. I did see Greg Jr. lined up uh, in the slot a little bit. Chris Braswell is a kid that they really like. Those are going to be the guys that I believe are going to have an opportunity uh, right away to really, really um, let themselves uh, distinguish themselves in any way uh, to be guys that can really, really play in the slot where it's a 60 percent, like 65 or some odd percent chance that they're lined up. And that number even goes up if the Jaguars are able to score early and get out ahead and get out in front of people. So, yeah, man, good looking secondary, a lot of physicality. Rayshon Jenkins has has he showed up last year. I don't think the team wins down the stretch without him. And I think he was uh, pretty much underrated by me and a lot of people. The uh, seventh year player, 6'1", 200 pounds, another guy that can cover, cover running backs, tackles real well in open space. And he's real good also at blitzing. He blitzed and caused a fumble that allowed them to win the Tennessee game because there was a scoop score when the Jaguars were having a hard time scoring. It was a scoop score by Josh Allen. Andre Sisko made that play. He made that play and saved the Jaguar season. So there's a lot to like, a lot to love about the depth. I think Darius Williams played pretty good uh, for a guy who's only 5'9", 187 pounds. He did compete and play really, uh, you know, down the stretch. Once they moved him outside, he played really, really well. I think Andrew Wingard has a place because of his versatility, because of the special teams. And he just, he just seems like he was for a long time the guy that everybody wanted to get rid of. And all of a sudden now, Andrew Wingard, more affectionately known as Dewey, is a really, really big part of what the Jaguars like to do uh, on defense and on special teams. So I just think that led, obviously, by Tyson Campbell at the corner, who I have not mentioned yet because he is probably their best player, along with Rayshon Jenkins, it's going to lead me to this and then to the third and final segment. Trent Baalke has actually done a really, really good job of improving the athletic profile of this team. And sometimes you can get used to a GM that takes picks that are fourth, fifth, and sixth round picks and just thinks they're just happenstance. I think it changes, it changes a little bit this year because I think they have some guys that they picked up late that are really, really going to help them. I'm going to profile a little bit of that, too, and give Trent Baalke some flowers. And I'll do it in just a second here on Locked on Jaguars. All right, third and final segment here on Locked on Jaguars, giving Trent Baalke some love. We've talked so far about Andre Sisco, how he looks like a guy who is a star in the making. And we've talked about his helpmates in the secondary and why I believe them growing together is going to bode well for the Jaguars future and their future as individuals they're all under contract i think they're all going to keep getting paid um i mentioned during the draft that trent balky until this year had not done a real good job of using late round picks to um be guys that can actually help and make contributions uh, on this team and in two years prior to this I was right. He he hasn't like the first year and, and and then the second year he hasn't really had a bunch of his late round picks turn out. Now, ironically, in this year's draft, where this year was supposed to be a weak draft, 
according to people who rate them and call them weak or strong or try to make the determination of how many first round or grades. And I, 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 I will say this until I go away. If there's 32 teams picking in the first round, then there's 32 guys that have. I'll just go give me the the best 32 you got. They, they got first round grades on it because I really don't know what a quote unquote first round grade is. I, I just don't. I mean, can you have 45 people with a first round grade? Can you? Or can you just name the top 32 people? So this year, uh, when the draft was so-called not very good and when there was only, I think, a handful of – I think some people said it was 19 to 20 guys with first-round grades on them. The Jaguars had a whole bunch of picks, more picks than they thought they were going to have. In fact, they tried to get rid of them. A lot of them on day three did not work out, so they used those picks on players. From an athletic profile standpoint, I can flat-out tell you that all the guys they picked are big and strong or long, and they have these characteristics that Trent Baalke really, really likes. Uh, Derek Parrish, 6'2", 245 pounds, uh, rookie out of Houston, wears number 43. He looks like a wrestler. He looks like he's WWE or one of those MMA guys that's yoked up. He looks like the security for like Money Mayweather or somebody. That's what he looks like. He looks like he'll beat everybody up. So, I don't know if he can play fullback. I don't know if he can play H-back or whatever, but they're going to see. But one thing that I noticed that Trent did more than other people is they really went for physical talent where other folks might look at body of work or other folks might look at uh, skill level. Um, the Jaguars, they just took as many big, fast, strong guys that have a certain makeup that they could find. And I don't think it's a bad thing to do that. I really, really don't. I'll tell you who else looks good. Um, Abdullah. Yasir Abdullah looks like a very, very good prospect. He's he's running with the linebackers, not with the edge rushers. Um, well, some of the, well, the edge rushers on this team are the linebackers. But when I saw him at 6'1", 240, he wasn't really working with edge guys. He was, he was sort of doing some work with both. Uh, those off-ball guys as well as I think he could probably end up being a situational pass rusher. But I think they're going to see what he has about him as a complete linebacker. Uh, DJ Coleman, another rookie out of Missouri with his length and size, he'll have a chance. Jordan Smith, all 6'7", 250 pounds. He said he came into camp at 260, but he lost a few pounds. But all six foot seven of him, he's back at practice running around. He has a knee brace on that will come off. But, yeah, I just see length. I see athleticism. And um, I, I really, really, two and a half years in, I say half a year because I ain't going to give Trent all the blame for the first year, even though that was a year they got Trevor and all the rest of these dudes that everybody's counting on. So they actually did look pretty good. Um, I'll give them credit. I can start to see the vision of what, you know, he was doing every, every step of the way. I'd like a little bit more production out of the second year guys, but not going to beat it up. If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But I will tell you this. Someone else who looks really, really good and really, really fluid. Brenton Strange, of course he does, but Luke Farrell. I saw Luke Farrell running around. Man, Luke Farrell looked really good. Sam, Sammy's Reyes looks good. He's 6'7", 240. I don't know if he'll ever really, really turn out here. But he also looked like a really, really good player. So there's a lot to really, really get excited about 
uh, with the Jaguars. There's a lot to uh, look forward to. But I wanted to give Trenton's flowers here in segment three and say, okay, now I kind of see the plan. I kind of see where you were going a little bit. I kind of understand why when I saw the pass rushers, even with Josh Allen was there, I kind of understand why Trent uh, went the way that he went uh, in the draft and didn't go out and, and maybe get somebody else uh, when we thought he may have should have gotten another player. Look, I get it. All right. I, I, I finally see it to the point where I'm willing to give the benefit of the doubt. And hopefully you guys will do the same thing. Give them the benefit of the doubt because you got to be optimistic because this is, this is what it is. This is what it is. Got to give them a chance to uh, show that the plan that they had worked. And, and it, it, since everything's tied to your, your optimism is tied to them being good. So let's see if they can get that figured out. All right. Make sure you tap in uh, for the rest of the week. I'll give you another episode tomorrow as we continue to go through the roster, look at some strengths, look at some weaknesses, and then, uh, individually explain each and every aspect. I want to look at the big guys on the defensive line, and I think we'll do that tomorrow where I look forward to the defensive line and actually go one by one and tell you the guys that I really, really like and what I expect out of them. Until next time, you guys take care of each other. We'll see you on Locked on Jaguar.